Hey everybody, you hear that? Sounds like tea time. Listening to the song entitled Blessed by our superstar guest. Anyway, words can't even express how thrilled I am to have this very special woman hanging out at the island. I feel like it's a full circle moment in time that I would have never imagined. Okay, she is my home girl because we were both born in Germany. (laughs) And we're both military brats and we both spent time living in Korea. How unique and and I know, small world, right? So I met her back in 1996 when she was in middle school in a little town called Sierra Vista, which is in Arizona. And she she became quick friends with my daughter, Ashley, and they are still friends to this day. So that's so awesome. Oh, she now lives in Los Angeles, California. I know Cheryl's gonna be visiting her. Um, yes. <laughs> she lives in California with her husband, and we are happy to welcome her to the island to share with us and the listeners the initiative she and her husband started, not to mention a whole bunch of other things. So ladies and listeners, welcome to the island, a multi-talented singer, songwriter, musician, and a creative force, Crystal Wright. Woo-hoo! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you ladies. Yes. Awesome. And we do have a lot of history that we could go into, but we're not here for that <laughs> lesson today. But um, Crystal, I like I said, I knew her way back in the day and she and Ashley were in choir together and they used to hang out and play and do just do all kinds of stuff. And they really had another did. friend named Ricky who had passed away and they were like the three amigas. And it was a delight to have them at my home. And, you know, when they're young and they're growing up, you just never know, you know, especially being military, if you're ever going to see people again or talk to them again. But here we are. Full circle. Yes. Awesome. And let's just kick this off. I want to apologize to Lady V in case it's been a very, very long time. I don't know what I said in my childhood. I don't know what I ever did, but... (laughs) I know I was a wild child. So just in case, let's just start fresh, fresh slate. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I love no it. Worries. I love it. We all were wild children. <laughs> well, let me just put it to you this way, Crystal. I was a semi-strict parent and I didn't let Ashley hang out with anyone that I did not trust or I didn't feel was going to be good for her. Okay. That means a lot to me. Yes. She's amazing. Well, I think he is too. All your kids are amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. So we're going to get this party started. And I think Cheryl, won't you get us started? Always, you know, I like to always kick it off because that's what you give me is the first one. (laughs) So I would also like to add to her list of um, titles, uh, community leader. 
Uh, Based on what I've read about you, Crystal, is I see where you helped to start an initiative called Black Education Matters. Uh, This is an initiative that is an effort to include Black history into public school curriculum. So can you tell our, our listeners, why do you think it's important to include Black history into public school curriculum? Yeah, I mean, to to kick this off, you know, we all, um, you know, witnessed what happened uh, during the pandemic, the racial uprising, and just quite honestly, what we've all experienced for the bulk of our entire lives as women and as Black women and as Black people in our community. And so, um, you know, after, you know, watching a lot of these instances with Philando Castile and Eric Gardner and, you know, Trayvon Martin, and the list goes on and on. My husband and I, you know, sat at the kitchen table and we're determining, you know, where we could make the most impact with our anger um, and our rage about the situation. Um, And we decided that probably education would be our best bet. You know, we started noticing a lot of the conversations we were having with people, uh, we weren't on the same plane. The basic general understanding about uh, the uh, value of Black lives and just Black history as American history um, wasn't as understood as we just assumed it would be. So, you know, that kind of leads to, I think, a lot of the things that we see that happens in the news and what's been happening for a lot of time, that is the result of a lot of ignorance. Um, that is, uh, unfortunately, we think it's deliberate. And so we decided to, you know, uh, focus on, uh, focus our effort uh, in an area that would be most impactful, which would be schools. Um, we really went for the gusto when we kicked this whole, the whole thing off. You know, we started this petition, it's Black Education Matters. That's really the name of our nonprofit organization. And it's really, you know, <clears throat> the overall goal is just to build more uh, equitable, you know, curriculatory frameworks within public schools and education. And that leads to, you know, lessening the school to prison pipeline, um, as far as the the wealth to uh, race income ratio, um, the the wealth gap, um, and a lot of other inequities that exist in adult life post um, public school. Um, And so, yeah, I think that if you tackle kind of the the history of uh, the Black experience um, and showcase that within school, you'll not only educate those who are non-Black in understanding their own American history, because we are all Americans, but you also galvanize uh, Black and Brown students to Mm. see themselves um, and to identify with stories. You know, you can really check out if a lot of these stories that are very arbitrary, let's say like Johnny Appleseed, mm-hmm. just happen to be white for no reason. Right. Um, and so it just continues to perpetuate these images of people who don't look like you. Um, and then we have kids who are, you know, not engaged in school. I wonder why it, you know, and then the assumption is because they're, they don't want to be there. They're ignorant. You know, well, all these negative attributes that are t- attached to a black people and the black experience when really that not, a, you know, we think there's not enough energy and dedication and focus uh, that's placed on their experience and their story. So, yeah, this was definitely the focus that we wanted to that we thought would be most impactful. Um, right. We've kind of narrowed that down over time and we're still figuring things out. But I definitely still believe that this is a directive that we should take. Um, and I hope that we can you know, make make a big impact. So I just want to applaud you and your husband for taking such a bold step. Right. And a bold set of actions. And I like the fact that you took your anger and your rage and you turned it into positive action. Uh, I would like to just throw out a recommendation there. Uh, I personally went to an HBCU, a historically black college and university, Grambling State University. And that was one of the things that was uh, 
a, a must. We had to take Black history. Um, right. What I would recommend is that maybe you all partner up with HBCUs because mm -hmm. they've already have the curriculum designed uh, on Black history uh, to help implement that into the public schools because it's already been created. Right. Uh, it just has to be utilized appropriately. But I just want to applaud you and your husband for taking such a bold action uh, towards uh, doing positive things for the community. And like you said, it'll help everybody. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And thank you so much for the recommendation. You know, we're definitely not trying to reinvent the wheel. There's so many amazing people who are doing and have been doing this work since the beginning of time. Right. We're trying to find areas where we can kind of go in and make that impact with the resources and relationships that we have. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely people who've already done this work and we would love to, you know, connect communities, connect networks, connect schools with uh, people who are working on racial bias training, trying to create racial equity with in schools and specifically you know in our studies when we were researching a lot of uh, uh, this information uh, we noticed and we read through like Pew Center uh, research studies that you know racial bias can start as early as you know a few months old eight to ten mm. months old very very young um, and so you know we're, we're enacting a lot of these uh, institutions and in California specifically, ethnic studies curriculums um, into you know uh, high school classrooms and our argument is you know that by that time it's 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 too late. Uh, you know, you've already kind of developed whatever your understanding is of the world and your experience as well. You know, I think yeah, it's so, yeah, so important yeah. for children, children mm -hmm. um, who are in grades, you know, pre-K through five um, to, you know, have these conversations about race in a, uh, a healthy, in a healthy way. We don't need to talk about uh, Tulsa. Uh, if you want to, I'm sure there's a way to do that with, with, uh, uh, fifth graders, um, but you do again for these arbitrary characters, like I mentioned earlier, Johnny Apple, the Johnny Apple Seeds, or these stories of you know these children's books where the protagonists are um, white people that could easily be transitioned out with people of color, you know, right. Susie's, Thomas, Charles, Devon, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, it's all about visibility and affirming identities and affirming these stories. Um, mm -hmm. So when I was speaking earlier to kind of us distilling down how we're gonna do this, because it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And I, I think that that's also important too, college curriculum, high school curriculum, middle school as well. Um, but with the small team that we have, we're like, where, where can we go in? What kind of bandwidth do we have you know, to make right. an impact? And we think that uh, elementary school education is, is gonna be key. Awesome. But I do appreciate, I do appreciate that. Um, and uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Speaking of Tulsa, and I don't want to derail this conversation, but it's a hundred year anniversary for what happened in Tulsa. Yeah. And they are just now getting to the point of exhuming the body so that they can have proper burials. That to me was just, you know, eye opening that it took a hundred years to wow. do what was right uh, amongst so much that was wrong with that situation. And they, you know, still don't want to really report on it and, mm. and put it in the history books, but it happened. You know, you had over 10,000 African-Americans that were homeless and displaced, you know, displaced, and then hundreds that were just uh, arbitrarily just killed and left for dead and did never, bodies never went to their families. Uh, they're now trying to exhume those after a hundred years uh, to give them proper burials. Only two people out of the entire uh group of people that were killed had a proper burial. Uh, I just thought that was just so, it was just so amazing that it took so long uh, for them to finally recognize what happened there. 
Yeah. It's just a disgrace to be honest. Yes. You know, I did, it's the, the, how long it's taken for people to get here, how long it's taken them to get to this place. And even then, you know, sometimes I even question if, you know, if the pandemic didn't exist, if the focus wasn't on this specifically, if we weren't made to watch this, you mm-hmm. know, would we have had, it's a, I don't know, it's a gift and a curse. Maybe I, I'm so torn about that situation, right. you know, because I is- think everybody got woke. And when they say, you know, how the young people say get woke, mm-hmm. I think everybody woke up and said, oh, my gosh, you know, because it was like you said, right there in your face. And you had to see it all day because you were on lockdown. You couldn't go to your galas or your functions mm-hmm. or fly across the world and hang out with your crew. You had to sit there and watch it and literally let it penetrate your heart. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it, it, and it woke America up um to a to a place that you know we felt like this is awful you know mm-hmm. finally well half of america was already woke let's say that exactly <laughs> and the right. Other half wasn't. <laughs> right right absolutely I, I i agree i hope it's sustainable i hope that it's sustain i hope the eyes stay woke for the rest of time you know and it's yes. not just because we all had to watch that you know it was so interesting being uh coming from my experience because it's not you said 50 percent. i definitely think i'm of the 50 percent who's recognized what the realities are but uh in having these conversations even with close friends of mine who just didn't know any better you know i've had yeah. these conversations with them prior to 2020 and they just weren't hearing me they were <laughs> not you know they weren't ready to have the conversations and so you know last year was a a gift and a curse um, in that all of a sudden they were, they were ready to have these conversations that we have been prepared to. And quite frankly, have already had with them uh, Mm -hmm. for a significant period of time. So yeah, I I hope it's sustainable. Well, Well, people like you and your husband are are allowing it to be sustainable. So I want to say thank you for that. Go ahead, BG. I'm sorry. (laughs) No worries. Um, You know, I was just thinking and listening to you all and I, and I applaud you too, because we know that Our history is there, but we've got to help bring it out. You know, some people say you should be satisfied with the month of February, but we have history all month long. We've been in this country's history ever since the first slave was brought over. And so I applaud you all for bringing the conversation. Uh, We've, you know, we've been discussing the Black Education Matters initiative that you've started. And I agree wholeheartedly. If, and so I want to know if you could select another state in addition to California to start this initiative, which state would you pick that might have the biggest impact and why would you pick that state? All of them. <laughs> I know, right? I agree. Yes. I agree. All of them. Um, you know, we are, we're lucky to be, California is not perfect. It's not perfect by any means, but we are lucky to be in this state to kick this initiative off because we uh, are definitely on the more progressive side of education reform. Um, but there are, I mean, uh, I know that's a very, very tough question. And in thinking about that, you know, we definitely want to be in not only places that are extremely diverse, um, but places that are progressive in their uh frame their educational frameworks what they're Mm -hmm. looking to implement in schools what they're open to trying you know um texas would be a great place to start you know but uh, Mm -hmm. in my research um you know there's a lot of different steps uh that are taken in regards to uh public schooling education and just getting the appropriate school books uh uh instituted into you know grades high school and middle school there's a whole process and a whole review process um and 
it doesn't look great for a lot of states. You know, um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, which is another reason why I kind of reverted or why we reverted to um, children's books because uh, at those grades, like K through one, K through three, oftentimes these teachers are purchasing everything themselves, including school books. And so they have a little more autonomy um, in, in building their classroom curriculum in the way they want to. You know, when it comes to high school, you have standardized tests that you need to kind of abide by and the child needs to know a certain amount of material by the time they leave this, this grade. Um, not to say you, you couldn't implement inclusive curriculum, um, but it is tougher. Sorry, I'm going in circles, but to answer that question, um, you know, cities that are highly diverse, but also really, really progressive with their, uh, you know, educational framework. So Philadelphia, DC, New York, Chicago, Cincinnati, maybe, um, Washington. Mm. I don't know how diverse they are, but I know they're pretty progressive. Well, yes. in some areas, Seattle. Right. Um, right. But I think it just, it, you know, we're, it's a, it's a huge feat to look, you know, and I think we did when we kicked this off, like, let's change everything, you know, but I think we're trying to, we can just take baby steps and we can start with our local uh, schooling systems here in LAUSD. And, you know, if people start to pick this up and if it works in their classrooms, teachers will speak, hopefully it'll become a word of mouth situation. And then we can kind of, uh, you know, this can kind of spread um, into uh, different communities and, and who knows what, you know, what that will lead to ultimately. I was going to say spread like wildfire, but I don't want to say that to a person that lives in California. <laughs> I got PTSD. <laughs> Crystal, I'm glad you, you uh, mentioned Texas because uh, I'm in a group and we read to children in elementary. And so we make it a point to bring uh, a book that shows people like us and people like the children in the classroom. And so even if the initiative doesn't spread to the other states, there's so many things that we as individuals and organizations can do following your lead uh, with Black Education Matters and make sure that kids hear and know the truth. So I appreciate that. And I'm with you. Every state ought to have it. I, I would love to stay in contact because we are looking to, again, we're, we haven't uh, worked out all the kinks yet, but we're looking to maybe create like a book program for uh, teachers, grades K through five, so they can put these into their classrooms with black protagonists for, again, just children's stories. And it really, mm -hmm. it goes across the board. It's really about who's open to it and what kind of school districts are flexible in implementing new processes. But, you know, I, I went through school and I didn't learn about Henrietta Lacks. I didn't learn about a lot of people in every single vertical. We're talking about English. I didn't learn about black authors. We didn't talk about the Renaissance. We didn't talk about black poets. Definitely didn't talk about black music until I went to school for music. We didn't talk about any black uh, musicians outside of popular music and jazz. No black classical music. We didn't know about the Moors. I didn't find that out through, you know, uh, I didn't find that out until, um, you know, I did my own research post-graduation. Um, and then all, all the other verticals as well, science, the math as well, mm -hmm. the arts, obviously the focus is, you know, varied. We're looking at everything through a, you know, really tight Eurocentric lens that we just accepted as, normal, you know, um, but that does a lot to your sense of self-esteem, sense of mm -hmm. self-worth and uh, your abilities. Um, and you got to have a really strong familial structure in your family to, to bring, to, to push you through that, because it's clear that we are, you know, 
we're, we're God, we're, we're gifts. We are gifts, quite honestly. The fact that we've been able to accomplish what we have through what we've, through what we've gone through is just tremendous. Um, and, uh, and with, you know, more assistance, more affirmations of our experience, uh, and our identities, I can, I can, I cannot even imagine what is possible for us. Say Crystal Wright, run for office. we'll see you know piggybacking (laughs) off what you were saying Beverly and you know with your organization and reading it it takes a village and takes a big village we all need to do our part um and you know not just your initiative that you're you're working on Crystal but in our own individual cities in our own individual neighborhoods and our own school you know we have to make the difference we have to speak out and we have to do our part right. in order to, to you know, because it's not, you, you and your husband are just two people, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're not educators. We, we say that, like, we don't even, we don't know. Like, please, we, we want to work with educators. We want to know with people who are, we want to work with people who are experts at this, you know, because people have been doing the work. I'd hate to, you know, commandeer this as like, this is something we just started, excuse me. <laughs> This is something that we started ourselves. Like, no, this is work that we want to continue to do with our network and relationships. And how can we, how can we contribute to, you know, uh, this, this experience that a lot of people are, are going through, you know, not, not just, not just me. Exactly. So to all our listeners out there, do your part. I always say, do your part to make things better. Absolutely. And that can look like having difficult conversations, you know, reading difficult books, you know, just expanding your, your realm of comfort, you yeah. know, um, I think is, is super, super helpful. That's definitely a start. I think my phrase for the week is no tunnel vision, no, no tunnel, tunnel vision. vision, no tunnel Mm-mm. vision. Yeah. Mm-mm. Cause that's, that's yeah. what's wrong right now is the, the tunnel vision of, of people and not mm-hmm. thinking outside of their tunnel. <laughs> So we're going to flip the switch just a little bit, Crystal, because you are all of that in a bag of chips. (laughs) Yes, you are. Don't shake your head. (laughs) So I want to switch it to music. So you are a gifted and talented musician. And um, yes, and I, you know, last year um, I saw come across and then Ashley informed me that you were going to be on Instagram with Bill (laughs) Bellamy. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. Let me tune in. I was so excited and listened and you were awesome and the interview was great. But so how long have you been singing and writing music? For a, for a little while, for a little while now. Now that was really, really cool to see you there. You're like, hey, Crystal, this is Vanita. I know, I was on <laughs> um, there. I was like, Vanita, I know who you are. So, um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, so I've been, you know, uh, as you know of Vanita and maybe not all the listeners know, I... Um, Actually, you know what, I, I, to be honest, I started singing probably pretty late. Um, so it was like, it was in middle school is when I started. Um, I would sing around the house. You know, I didn't really come from a, a extremely musical household. My parents are not musicians. We played music around the house, um, but it wasn't, let's say, a, a very creative um, home. Um, but I decided to take a choir elective. And uh, from there, you know, I kind of immersed myself into the space where I I uh, was able to express myself in a way that I hadn't before. And I um, really, really enjoyed it and decided to pursue that um, from that point on. So maybe sixth, seventh grade um, and then started writing music probably in high school-ish. Uh, 
um, and then recording music probably from college from college on. Okay. Wow. I know yes. when you and Ashley used to sing around the house and stuff, I thought, oh my gosh, at least I know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad singing. It was just like, to be honest with you, and I'm not, you know, I, I just didn't think it would amount to anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, they're just kids. They're just kids singing. I got just, you. I got you. Just kids. So who are your influences? Wow. <clears throat> I think it, I think it varies. You know, I, um, I love neo soul. Uh, I love soul. Um, so a couple of the people that come to mind just off top would be, uh, CB wonder, Shaka Khan, D'Angelo, Erica, music, soul child, Jill, um, Jill, Jill is just amazing. She's one of my favorites. She's one of my favorites. I just, uh, yeah, I, college was like just a neo soul experience for me. And I just immersed myself completely. Um, but I love, I love soul. Donny Hathaway is my favorite, my favorite artist. I was introduced to Otis Redding through uh, Lady V. Um, just seeing her, the, she had the anthology in her living room. And I was like, who is this? Who is this man? Um, so yeah, just, just trad traditional soul singers. Um, okay. And then that kind of branches out into, you know, I also love, I love the UK's interpretation of soul. I think they, oh. they're kind of purists mm -hmm. about the art. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like a lot of UK soul artists. Um, I like a lot of UK dance, but yeah, as a, as a foundation, I think soul and uh, um, neo soul is probably what struck the chord for me. Right. So I know you didn't probably do any gigs last year because of COVID. Um, well, I, I did the one Instagram one. <laughs> right. Besides, you know, not in person, but yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I know you do a lot of gigging probably in um, LA. Um, so what's next for you as far as music goes, your music career? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have no control over that, honestly. And I think that's something that I had to kind of let go of. I can only do what I can do. And <clears throat> for me, and what I can control, it's just making sure that I, you know, continue to be creative, continue to be kind to myself, continue to support myself and um, really, you know, approach this life with a perspective through maybe a child's eyes. You know, I think sometimes things can get very, very serious. And I understand that not everyone's experience allows them to do that. Right. Um, so it can be very, very tough to maintain that a playful attitude about life, but um, I, I try to, cause I, I get very serious. I can be very, very serious about this thing that is essentially it is play, you know? Um, but when we talk about, you know, um, you know, I definitely have goals for myself, but I want to, I don't want to get so caught up in those goals that I forget, you know, my, my reasons for doing this, which is really just to express myself and, and to find joy in, in being creative. How many instruments well, being, do you play? Hmm? How many instruments do you play? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I sing, I play keys, um, and I dabble on the bass. I just looked at my bass over here. I'm okay. I'm like, I'm, I would never do a gig playing bass. I have done gigs playing piano, but, <clears throat> but I, I love the bass. I think it's all my favorite songs had fantastic bass players on them and just amazing bass lines and okay uh, her i love it i love uh, it right <laughs> another blazing over there she's just amazing i mean she's oh, awesome i can't she just keeps raising the bar i know 
I can listen to her. Some nights I listen to her for like hours. She's amazing. And this, this year has just been, she, yeah. I mean, she's been amazing for a while, but I love the recognition she got from the Super Bowl to the Grammy mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. And then she got an Oscar. I'm just like, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She is awesome. She really you say is. you're just playing, but a lot of people make some great money and great careers come out of people just playing. Like you right. say, you call it play. Right. Right. <laughs> so Absolutely. I have a, uh, I have a question for you. If you could sing a duet with any artist, any artist, who would that be and why? Stevie. Stevie or D'Angelo. Stevie Wonder is at the top of my bucket list. I want to go see him so bad. I want him to perform again. He, you know, I just feel so blessed to be in a time where I get to be in his in his world at the same time to be in his to exist um alongside this man's genius and i I just i think we take him for granted you know a lot of people not we but a lot of people take it for granted um he he's i i was just listening to songs in the key of life you know just a couple days i'll just like pop it on um you know every every you know every couple months or something like that just to dive through but he someone said something so magical I think it was Miguel the the singer and he said Mm -hmm. you know Stevie Wonder is amazing because he's able to package really complicated musical ideas um in a happy meal for you you know so there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you know amazing artists let's say like uh Kamasi Washington or um you know Jonathan Redman or a lot of people who are just really really uh just really really musical and creative and just uber uber talented um and they want to it's not a negative thing but they display a lot of uh complicated musicianship um through their art and sometimes it's difficult for those who are not in that world um to understand and to enjoy stevie wonder is able to make music where non-musicians love it Mm -hmm. and if you are a musician that the, his songs are hard to sing and his songs are hard to play. Mm-hmm. They are, they're fun for musicians, you know? Um, he's just, his impact that he's made to this art, what he's been able to do as far as his career. And just, you know, I, I, and I just, at a general level, I just enjoy his music. I enjoy singing it. Um, I enjoy listening to it. Yeah. I know that's maybe a, an easy one, but it's, I mean, it's true. He's just, he's amazing. Oh, his music is timeless and he mm-hmm. is timeless. It is timeless. <laughs> He's yeah. a genius. He's just a musical genius. We it's love just amazing. It's yeah. just amazing what he's been able to accomplish. So, yep, he'd be my, he's my choice. And I'd be right there in the audience while y'all singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would just, I would just be crying. I'd just be crying. Like, do, 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 do. <laughs> All crying. right, a few more bars, a few more bars. <laughs> Crystal, just uh, talking with you lets us know how much talent you have and how creative you are and so when Vanita told us about you I started going out looking let me find out about her since we're going to be talking to her and I saw one of I started looking through your Facebook post Mm -hmm. and I saw one from last August and it said uh, fighting sexism in a racist society creating our own narrative so could you share like an instance when you experienced sexism and how did you approach it? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, when I was speaking to that, 
I was referring to, you know, this intersectionality that exists between, you know, being black and, and being a woman. So um, all of us know that experience and maybe being uh, underestimated on two fronts. And, and so we kind of get the double whammy oftentimes where we might feel like, you know, I, I was reading into kind of the civil rights movement and what was going on on that front. And it was pretty, you know, yes, we, there was a lot of progress that was made in this front. Um, but a lot of women weren't invited, you know, it was a pretty much a boys club. And then if you happen to be uh, a woman who was not uh, a straight woman or a cisgendered woman, um, those women were pretty much eliminated, but there were, uh, you know, uh, non-straight men who were a part of this group. So that kind of shows you in this uh, pyramid or this tier who was placed at higher value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes I, I feel like we can be disregarded, discounted, and underestimated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, that happens across, across the board in a lot of experiences. Unfortunately, I can't, I don't know if I can call out one. I feel like it happens pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, in my creative life, yeah. I've, um, you know, I've simultaneously worked different jobs just to keep myself afloat. Um, and so that those worlds are very different, I'm kind of working like in a corporate arena and then also working in a creative one. And I find that within the corporate space, you know, I got to, uh, the yeah, expectation, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. expectation I is, understand. right. The expectation, all there now. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just very, very interesting. And you can just be discounted in, uh, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would be work- working in HR. So the, you know, the, uh, focus of bringing in, you know, diverse people and focusing on equity across the board. I mean, that, that appeals to kind of two different initiatives that I'm in, you know, I definitely want to create opportunity for black and brown people and women. Um, and I also want to do that in education as well. Um, and so where I can kind of make it, you know, where I can create opportunities for other, I think others, I think is really important for me, but yeah, as far as a specific example, um, to be honest, I, I feel like I face that uh, through a lot of different experiences in my professional work, in my personal relationships that I have with people. Um, so I just have to, you know, again, I have to remind myself um, of who I am and, and you know, exactly. what I'm here for exactly. uh, and the tribe of people who have uh, come before me and accomplished tremendous things in spite of. Exactly. Unfortunately, it's become so normalized that you get you just learn how to cope and just not necessarily call out every single instance, um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. And, and I think it's normalized because of what you're saying, uh, the foundation mm-hmm. uh, of understanding the history of, of uh, people of color in this country and the contributions uh, that we've made. Uh, the lenses of people just look at you differently uh, from their lens and their view uh, of, of the, our society, but it has become normalized. So that's why you can't really pick out one because it's, it's, it's just on a regular. It is. <laughs> and you just learn how to cope. You, you keep on moving, you jump over it and, and keep going. Um, and every now and then, if, it is, if it's truly significant uh, in my case, I, I do call it out. Uh, I've had other people that work with me. Uh, It was so profound that they called it out Mm. and they just happened to be white males uh, that worked with me and they called it out. Uh, So it was just that, you know, profound uh, what had happened. Uh, So it's just become so normalized that 
you know, we just cope and keep going um, mm -hmm. and, and learn how to, and I hate to say this, you learn how to become a chameleon and a chameleon can blend in, uh, like if it's on wood, you can see it blend into the wood. If it's on a sheet of paper, it blends into the sheet of paper. You learn how to adapt uh, okay. and how to uh, move within different circles in yep. order to, first of all, maintain your sanity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and second of all, right. to, uh, you know, to be able to uh, fit into the culture uh, of the organization that you're working with. Um, but I, I understand what you mean by you can't awesome. just pick one instance. Right. I mean, I think you spoke to a true. Oh, I'm so sorry. Nope. Did I cut no, you go off? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I just wanted to add that I, I think you spoke to it so transparently and truthfully because that is the experience. You got a code switch depending on, uh, you know, what kind of environment that you're in. Okay. Um, and I'm really glad that you took those opportunities to speak up. You know, I mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, the 2020 was a unique experience because people were all of a sudden just ready to have these conversations because I was ready to have them with you a few years ago, but you know, it went left very quick. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, I think in an effort to maintain our sanity in our spirit, you know, uh, and if you can, if you have the bandwidth to tackle every single instance of injustice and racism and sexism and everything else, please, by all means. Um, but I think in an effort to do that, uh, you know, that can wear you down. That can yeah, you're yeah. Your, your, your mental health is pretty, yeah, right. it's your mental health and your spirit and your joy is, right. uh, is key. Right. Um, and so you got to make sure that you, and unfortunately, yeah, you got to be chameleon. You got to balance all these things. You got to choose your battles. Choose I your battles. Agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Beverly? Oh, I was just going to say that I thought Crystal put it together when she said, you know, we face being a black woman, Black and being a woman. And so that is a double whammy. And when you name all the other areas, it's like a triple or quadruple whammy. And it it really do, must do something to our psyche, even though we have to, like you said, find our own narrative. And so I like what you said, and you took me through how you thought through that. So thank Absolutely. you. Yeah, I think, you know, oh, I heard one of this, uh, this, uh, professor or a gentleman that actually speaks on black history on a regular basis. I cannot recall his name. I have to look it up, but he called it as PTSD for African-Americans, not 100%. post, not post-traumatic stress disorder, but post-traumatic slave disorder. Oh. Uh, yes. Coming out of slavery, a lot of stuff that we have not, uh, actually processed through mm -hmm. the generations, uh, still, plague our uh, lineage. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, wow, that was profound to me because I had never thought of it in that way, mm -hmm. you know, post-traumatic slave disorder um, and the history of slavery and what the imprint that it has put on us, even though it's been years, you know, and neither of us or our parents, you know, were in slavery or even in my case, my grandparents weren't in slavery, but that mentality has been process through the generations uh, by us also and also of course by the people uh, that had enslaved us so it, mm -hmm. it's just it's just amazing that that like you said we're so resilient that we've been able to uh, rise above even with all the odds stacked against us 100 percent. and I think that you know that is just trauma and mm -hmm. one of the emerging kind of 
I don't know if it's a science or if it's a, a part of maybe psychiatric services or psychiatric, sorry, that's probably not it. Please cut that. But definitely <laughs> a science um, is a study of epigenetics, which is how trauma can literally change your cellular structure. Mm -hmm. um, and then you pass that on intergenerationally. And so you are quite literally carrying the trauma of your ancestors. And you wonder why you are triggered by certain things, but other people are not, why you feel tense all the time, why you feel anxious, why you, um, you know, react a certain way to certain things and, and so on and so forth. You know, I think that study is so fascinating because uh, it makes complete, it makes complete sense. You know, we are just, we're just living in a, as black Americans, I feel like we live in such a, uh, and just black people in general, we live in such a very unique reality in that you are existing in a space that you can't speak about. I, I, my husband, who's a basketball fan, was just talking to me about Kyrie Irving or some basketball player who talked about um, some issue with Boston. And he was like, I'm fine with Boston as long as they don't, uh, as long as they're not racist. Or he mentioned something about this. So now I guess the city of Boston and the team is in an uproar about this. Oh, wow. um, and so I, I don't know. I thought, I thought we all knew America was racist and um it's a racist country. It's a, the foundation is based, built off of racism mm -hmm. um, as an economic vehicle for uh, national success. Um, and then the city of Boston, I don't know it to be a very diverse and progressive place. And so he mentioned this and I thought yeah. it was a weird, a, a weird, but very normal place that a lot of black people find themselves in and that this is the experience, but if you speak to it, you're being racist. But no, this is just yeah. my experience. Mm -hmm. I, I just left Boston and I had a great time myself in Cape yeah. Cod and Martha's Vineyard had fun. Uh, okay, good, I truly, good. Yeah. I truly understand that it's we cannot, and it's I hate to say it, but we're not at liberty, shall I say, to speak our truth. Um, you know, and that's the reason I always tell people, you know, in corporate America is the Kenny Loggins song, Kenny Rogers song for me, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, yeah. know when to walk away, know when to run. You have to be extremely tactful on what you say and who you say it to, right. uh, because everybody's not going to understand uh, what you just said and why you just said it. Mm -hmm. uh, so you mention, have to be everybody's careful. not going to want to hear it either. That's exactly. true. They don't want to accept it. <laughs> no, that's true. No. Right. Um, Absolutely. And that brings us all the way back around to this interesting time where people were ready to, you know, hear you and have these conversations, which is very, which has been in my experience, pretty abnormal. So, um, you know, I hope moving on, we can kind of make a little bit of progress in that direction. Maybe it's more like a pendulum, you know, last year we were ready to go. We were ready to fight for the cause. We we're ready to have these conversations and perhaps it might swing back a bit, but hopefully it's a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're closer to the, the direction that we need to be in um, from this point on. Right. Wow, Crystal, I could probably sit here and talk to you all night, but we're not going to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> but I want to switch gears for a quick second. I know that your picture was featured on a billboard in Los Angeles. Can you tell us what it was about and how you felt when you first saw it? Yeah, it was very, very exciting. I didn't know that that was gonna be a, a thing. Um, so it's actually completely separate. Uh, I do some uh, like modeling work on the side and mm -hmm. there was a cosmetic company that I did a small gig with. 
um, like a couple months prior. And I just went to the gig and they put some makeup on me and they took some pictures and uh, I left and I was like, great, wonderful. And then, uh, yeah, one day I went out and I just came from some workout class, like a yoga class. I went to go get a smoothie in that neighborhood and turned left and saw this billboard. And it was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. I had no idea. So for That's all awesome. our listeners, go and, and look it up. It's it's a gorgeous billboard. You look beautiful on there. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I don't know if it's still up, but it was pretty cool to see for that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's on social media, which is how yes. I saw it. Yes. 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 So, so it's saved. It's etched in time. I know, right? <laughs> Just like your beauty, Eshton Tai. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So um, if I'm going to go back to Black history, because I know you're big on, you know, Black education matters. If there was anyone in Black history that you could have lunch with, who would that be and why? And don't say Stevie Wonder, because I'm having lunch with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah. Anyone in Black history? Anyone. I, I know you've I, done research on different, you know, people within Black history. Um, who, you know, stuck out to you when you did that Who are you intrigued with that you would like to yeah. sit down and pick their brain? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, it's really a lot of people who are currently living that's okay. Uh, yeah, who are doing a lot of great work. So there is this one girl, her name is, oh my goodness. Uh, it's in my room right next to me over here. I want to like reach for it. But I, <laughs> you reach for it. Yeah, her name is like uh, Andrea Marie. And she essentially speaks to, again, this like um, the intersectionality that exists, you know, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by, you know, what our experience has been as Black people, but I'm also fascinated by what the experience has been for Black women um, and how that, and how that applies. And she spoke to it so eloquently um, and did such a great job in kind of speaking to uh, how to maintain our peace and our joy, but still by, uh, but, but still kind of speaking to the historical relevance of what this experience has been for Black people and how it necessarily, you know, how it hasn't necessarily been perfect in a lot of ways. And we are still trying to, you know, figure out how we can create space for ourselves. You know, I mentioned the civil rights movement that happened. Uh, I don't need to tell you when that happened. I mentioned the civil rights movement in this conversation. Um, and then we also have the women's rights, you know, movement that happened, um, you know, just a handful of centuries ago. And, uh, you know, even within, you know, within that own movement, there was a lot of, you know, middle-class uh, to wealthy uh, Caucasian women who were kind of leading this movement and kind of uh, pushing out or pushing a lot of black and brown people to the fringes, um, you know, of, of that movement who experienced the same things and perhaps on a deeper, deeper level, because it is multifaceted in that sense. And then if you want to bring in gender or sex or, or not sex, but gender um, and sexual orientation, that, that adds a lot of other things as well. So um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I'll look it up right now, but she's, she's really, really fantastic. And just any other women who contributed to, you know, th this movement that we're making is as black women. 
Awesome, awesome. Cool. My group, of course, would be the mathematicians on hidden figures. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. What a great to movie. know that there other were other left brain, you know, computer science, you know, mathematician, nerdy people like me out there. Mm -hmm. That would have been amazing to me as a young girl to know that, um, even though I went down that path not knowing what I was going to, you know, how it was going to end up for me, which it ended up great. But mm -hmm. it would have been awesome to have read about those women in history, in the history books, you know, would have inspired oh. me even more to go down that path. 100%, 100%. Uh, and her name, sorry, it's coming back to me. Her name is Adrienne Marie Brown. But oh, anyone who's doing, you know, work in regards to racial equity, uh, class equity, uh, and gender equity for Black women, I'm all for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this was, you know, this was another example that, that you know, we discussed as far as uh, what, uh, uh, what was remiss, I guess, within our, our education. You know, um, and I went to school some time ago and I won't date myself and I don't know how much better it is now, um, but I definitely didn't learn about the, the women from Hidden Figures. I didn't learn about Henrietta Lacks. I didn't learn about Black classical uh, musicians. I didn't learn about a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I think that would have encouraged uh, us to, mm -hmm. to, to know what our, op you know, sometimes you just, you need to see it. Unfortunately, yes. you know, not everyone can be a trailblazer in that way, you know, and that's not a negative thing. Some, you know, but that encouragement of like, oh, you know what? I can go down this, this vertical. I can be a black scientist. I don't need to be whatever the stereotype is of right. musicians and athletes and whatever right. else that looks like. And I think we're seeing that now, you know, there's so many beautiful opportunities. We have Simone Biles out here breaking, just, oh. you know, people out here is doing amazing things. Yes. Um, and when we see that, it just encur it encourages us, you know, yes. it affirms us. Um, and it's beautiful. I, I wish I would have had that in school. Yes, we do too. We do. Yeah, too. yeah. But, you know, these kids now, they're just so, so smart. So yes. smart, so gifted, so eloquent in their speech, so brave. I look at these, uh, the, one of the girls who led... Um, some of the protests after the, I think it was the Parkland shooting in Florida. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are just kids who went through a very traumatic experience and they are just speaking to their experience with so much power and strength. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, I don't even know if I was, if I was like that when I was her age, I don't know if I, know I, I wasn't, I, would, I know I wasn't. No. So, you know, I, I just feel so um, encouraged by, by the youth and, and what they're so going to be able to do. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But Crystal, it's me again. I, I just love your positive attitude. Um, and I, I tell you, I looked at a lot of your posts and a lot of things that you had on Facebook and Instagram, and they were all so encouraging. And so where does that wonderful spirit that you have, even if you're talking about racism or in, injustice or inequality, but you still have that positive view. And so where does that positive spirit come from? <laughs> She's shaking her head. I don't, you know, it's almost like I got to tell myself these things, you know, even when I don't necessarily believe it. I think that um, perhaps it comes from my dad a little bit. My dad was very, uh, he was a very joyful, gleeful, happy, positive guy. So I think at a, on a cellular, cellular mm -hmm. level, perhaps that's where it comes from a little bit. Um, but I think that, I don't know that it's just truly what I believe is a value. I believe in people. I believe in this experience, you know, and I, I believe that 
you know, we are all here for a purpose um, and however we can contribute to that purpose, even if you're not necessarily doing something out here with the community, but you living in your experience um, encourages someone else. I think that that's what we're all here for. And so I try to uh, disregard all the garbage and the noise. It's very, very hard. I'll be honest with you. It's very yeah. hard, especially in this world of social media and right. constant comparison and, and everything else. I feel lucky that I wasn't I didn't really grow up in that. You know, I was kind of an adult by the time it really took off. You know, I was already in college when Facebook came around. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I try to speak to myself. I try to continue to encourage myself with, um, you know, how I, how I speak to others. Um, I think that, I think it's kind of cyclical and it, um, it's kind of like reaping what you sow, you know, encouraging other others, instilling positivity in others, instilling love in others. I think that that will come back to you tenfold. I believe right. that. Right. Well, Crystal, keep doing that, okay? Because you do have a beautiful spirit. And so, yeah. yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And so um, my question that I love to ask our guest is, when you were a little girl, what did you want to <laughs> be when you grew up? It's a good question. How how little how little are we talking? Uh, <laughs> little. Okay. Um, you know, so after I would say after seventh eighth grade, I definitely mm -hmm. was like well into music, very excited about it. Wanted to be Mariah Carey. Still love Mariah Carey. <laughs> I know she's petty, but I love her. Um, and when I was a kid like a child. Mm -hmm. I used to write, do you, do you guys remember uh, Highlights Magazine? It was a magazine yes. Yes. in the dentist's yeah. office. Yeah. yeah, so I would, I, would, I would write to Highlights Magazine. I wanted to get like my stories in there. So I would write books over the summer, not books, but you know, stories, children's stories about whatever, you know, came to mind. Um, so I think that's what I wanted to do when I was really, really young. I did that a lot and, um, I wrote to a lot of like, I think I'd try to write to like the Disney channel. <laughs> Simple like this could be a great television show. And, um, so yeah, looking back on it now in retrospect, I definitely wanted to pursue something creative. You know, I definitely wanted to express myself in however I, I, I could, you know. Um, but yeah, either, either a writer or, or a musician. Okay. Okay. You awesome. don't know the phase three, phase four, you know, you, I might be out here as a New York times bestselling author. Who knows? I love it. I, yes. and, I'll, and I'll come to your book signing. Thank you. And, I, and I'll also be your agent and Thank, please. whatever else you want to pay me to do. I will, oh. need it. I will need it. Well, Crystal, I just want to say you are bold vocal and most definitely passion about God's people. And I love that about you. I just wanna say that I'm very proud of the woman that you have grown up to be. Um, you are inspiration to us here at the island and I'm sure to our listeners, um, keep doing what you're doing. I know your mom is proud of you and I know your father is smiling from heaven. I know this. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you guys bringing me on here and just taking the time to chat with me. Um, and I am no different from anybody else who was out here who was doing this work or just living in this experience. You know, you all have brought so many uh, just insights that are specific to, you know, what your experience was, Beverly, Cheryl, Lady V, you know, we've all, we've all gone through this collectively. Um, and so, as you mentioned, uh, Lady V, you know, whatever uh, we can do uh, without being tunnel vision, whatever we can do on the day to day to kind of push the needle forward is, is, uh, you know, 
will benefit everybody ultimately, you know, including ourselves and our immediate families, but it'll benefit uh, as, us as collective women and, and collective black people. So um, I really appreciate getting the opportunity to speak to it. Um, I'll continue to push this initiative forward in this nonprofit. If anyone is um, listening who is an educator themselves and can um, provide any kind of uh, guidance or instill any wisdom for us or has any network or connections, you know, we've met so many fantastic people through this journey and this process. Um, we would love to connect with you and love to learn more and encourage ourselves and, and educate ourselves on this system that we're looking to uh, make an impact in. And so what, how can people reach out? Um, is there websites or um, social media? Just how can people reach out to be an assistance or to yeah. do their part? Yeah, thank you for asking. So at the moment, we are looking to build the website and get established as a 5013C nonprofit. Right now, the immediate channel would be social media. We've okay. had a lot of people reach out to us directly and um, you know, uh, connecting us with educators, connecting us with people within their network. Um, you know, Ela and I, we did a, a presentation for the mayor of Carson, which is a city here in Los Angeles, to find um, some kind of a equitable uh uh, educational program that we could maybe implement in their schools. So there's just been a lot of progress on that front. So if anyone has, you know, anything really wisdom connections, uh, relationships or anything that they can contribute that might help us out, um, we, we would greatly appreciate it and would be uh, absolutely open to it. That's awesome. Well, ladies, I'm, I, like I said, I could be here all night. Yes, this Me was too. awesome. Me too. Yes. Yeah, so we want to Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and this away my from pleasure. your husband to hang out with us at the island. You are welcome back anytime. And you can definitely come to San Antonio anytime. You might find me at your front doorstep. <laughs> so I'm going to say it here on, on uh, Kitchen Island Tea that when Crystal drops her next song or when she drops her, her first book, we are going to have her back to promote it. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and speak it into the atmosphere. Please let and us thank know. You for we will yes, definitely... Crystal, we appreciate it. Yeah, so we, we will... know you're coming back. We know yeah. it already. We'll definitely yeah. put you out there. We're in uh, 18 different countries. We are all over the United Amazing. States. Yes. And so you're welcome back at any time. Absolutely. I love it. I would love to, I would love to come back. I was definitely working uh, on music through the pandemic and we'll continue to do that. So I will let you know as soon as something's ready. Please. We want to be your first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Crystal. Well, thanks again for dropping by the island and we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. The pleasure's all mine. We love you. Love you, Crystal. I don't want to be there. Don't want to be anywhere. Any place that I can feel. I just want to be me. Thank <laughs> you.